I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 26, where I'll be reading verses 1 through 33. Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 33. A close look at the life of Abraham's son Isaac. Beginning in verse 1, Holy Scripture says, Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say, my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now, the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar 
with Ahazath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. This is the word of the Lord, and it is for our good. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you that you have given us a trustworthy word that we might know you and that we might follow faithfully in your ways, that we might share in the blessing promised to Abraham and Isaac. I pray that you would tune our hearts to your word, even now, in Jesus' name, amen. Earlier chapters in Genesis had prepared us for this moment when the mantle of leadership would pass to Isaac. God had previously established his covenant with Abraham, and now God reaffirms his covenant with Isaac. The parallels between Genesis chapter 26 and earlier passages are noteworthy. Abraham faced a famine in Genesis chapter 12 and decided to go down to Egypt. Now, Isaac faces a famine, and the Lord tells him not to go down to Egypt. Abraham spent time in Gerar and had dealings with King Abimelech in Genesis chapter 20. Now, Isaac spends time in Gerar and has dealings with King Abimelech. And by the way, given that the events between Genesis 20 and Genesis 26 are about 75 to 100 years apart, most likely we are not talking about the same Abimelech, but two different Abimelechs, two different uh, kings who had the same name. Uh, moving back to the parallels, uh, in both Egypt and Gerar, Abraham had led others to believe that Sarah was not his wife. Now Isaac leads others to believe that Rebekah is his sister, but not his wife. In part, due to his sojourn in Egypt, Abraham became very wealthy back in chapter 12, and now Isaac becomes very wealthy during his time in Gerar. Abraham had a well of water that was seized by Abimelech's servants back in chapter 21. Now Isaac's servants dig wells only to have them quarreled over by the Gerarian herdsmen. Abraham made a covenant with Abimelech in chapter 21. And now Isaac makes a covenant with Abimelech. In fact, Abraham and Abimelech made their covenant at Beersheba, and now Isaac rediscovers Beersheba as his men find a well of water in that place. These parallels, and there's actually more than the many I just gave you, these parallels are impossible to miss, and they highlight the simple fact that Isaac 
is walking in the footsteps of his father. And Isaac is walking in the footsteps of his father, not only in a practical, experiential way, but also on a covenantal and spiritual level. God reaffirms to Isaac the very promises that he had made to Abraham. Let me remind you of some of the promises that God made to Abraham and just just listen for the echoes of how those earlier promises are echoed in chapter 26. Go to the land that I will show you, chapter 12, verse 1. I will bless you, chapter 12, verse 2. All the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever, chapter 13, verse 15. Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be, chapter 15, verse 5. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, chapter 22, verse 18. What God began to do through Abraham, he is continuing to do through Isaac. The Lord told Abram in chapter 15, Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. And now the Lord tells Isaac, Fear not, for I am with you. But even as Isaac is walking in his father's footsteps, even as Isaac takes his place as God's covenant partner, the Lord makes it clear to Isaac that Isaac is indebted to Abraham. Isaac is not an independent contractor who stands on his own apart from Abraham. Instead, Isaac is profoundly dependent on Abraham's faithfulness. Isaac is the beneficiary of Abraham's obedience. The Lord told Abraham, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Chapter 22, verse 18. Now the Lord tells Isaac, in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice. And then later he says to Isaac, I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So Isaac stands on his father's shoulders. Isaac must steward his father's legacy. Isaac is a son of the covenant. One of the most common temptations that entraps sinners like us is the temptation to become our own self-made person. But God's way is for us to yield ourselves to God, to be made by God, to be God's handiwork, to be shaped by the Word and sanctified by the Spirit. And one of the ways, one of the ways that we are shaped by God is that God works in such a way that we are shaped by the faithful fathers and mothers and teachers and disciples who came before us. Isaac was a man whose life was shaped by the godliness of his father. And that's a good thing. I titled this sermon, The Lord Accompanies and Blesses His People. I could have titled it, The Lord Accompanies and Blesses Isaac, because obviously the focus of chapter 26 is Isaac. But I want you to see that the way in which God relates to Isaac is instructive for how God relates to us. Because this is how God relates to his faithful people, his covenant people. So how does the Lord relate to Isaac? There, there are two, two key phrases, one in verse 3, I will be with you 
and will bless you. And then in verse 24, I am with you and will bless you. And when you put it all together, I I would say that what we see is that the Lord accompanies and blesses Isaac in the midst of adverse circumstances in order to accomplish his purposes through Isaac. The, The Lord's presence with his people does not mean that our life is all prosperity and no adversity, far from it. The Lord oversees our circumstances in such a way that he gives us whatever measure of prosperity and whatever measure of adversity that he sees fit to give us. And yet it is often in in adversity when the Lord's grace is magnified in our lives, and we certainly see that in in this chapter. The first section of chapter 26 covers verses 1 to 14 when Isaac lives in Gerar. The first adverse circumstance that Isaac faces is famine. After Abraham's death, Isaac had settled at Beer Laha Roy. That's in Genesis 25:11, And perhaps that is where Isaac was still living when famine descended upon the land. And because of the famine, Isaac packed his bags and went to Gerar, to Abimelech, uh, king of the Philistines. And it is at this point that the Lord appeared to Isaac in verse 2. The Lord instructed Isaac not to go to Egypt, but to dwell in the land of which I shall tell you, which corresponds to the land that the Lord had showed Abraham back in chapter 12, the promised land. Then the Lord declared the covenant promises to Isaac. And just just think about this. The, The Lord declared these lavish promises to Isaac not in the midst of prosperous circumstances, but in the very midst of adverse circumstances, in the midst of a famine, and in in the midst of a geographic relocation and moving to a new place. And so we are reminded that our security is not to be oriented to outward circumstances, but rather we are to find security in the presence and the power of God. Even as Jeremy, Jeremy and Grace head, head across the country to California. That's a big relocation. It's an opportunity for them to grow deeper in their walk with the Lord. Back to the text. When the Lord told Isaac that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, that, that must have at the very least, been an implicit summons to Isaac to walk in like manner, walk in the same kind of obedience that your father demonstrated. And notice also what we've talked about before, how the Lord calls upon Isaac to have a, a, a future orientation to, to his faith. He's to believe promises concerning his offspring far into the future. When Isaac receives this promise, he only has two sons. Jacob and Esau, and yet he's called upon to believe that the Lord's going to build up a great nation through him, and then through him he's going to bless the whole world. Uh, Moving on, um, still in the first section, while Isaac is living in Gerar, the adverse circumstance of living in a new place was compounded for Isaac by fear of the locals. Now, whether or not that fear was justified... I don't know, 
but, uh, but Isaac was afraid that his own life could be jeopardized uh, because he, he had a beautiful wife and he was afraid that uh, some, of the, some, of the, some of the men in Gerar were the kind of men who might kill him in order to get his wife. And so he thought it was safer to play brother, the role of brother, instead of the role of husband. And of course, in this, as you probably picked up on, Isaac is regrettably following uh, the same course of deception that his father practiced in both Egypt and in Gerar. It is not commendable, and yet the Lord is faithful to his people even when we make missteps. Um, eventually, Abimelech could plainly see, the ESV says laughing, the New American Standard probably handles that better, Tom. Uh, uh, but, uh, but, but in any case, it, what, laughing, having fun with, caressing, it, the idea was it was obvious to Abimelech that Isaac was treating Rebekah uh, the way that a man treats his wife, not the way that a brother treats his sister. And so we called him out on it. You know, why, 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 you know, why have you deceived me? And then, and then Abimelech reproves Isaac for his, his uh, really putting their, their land in danger had they, you know, actually sinned in such a grievous way. Um, in any case, uh, God's providential hand is behind the scenes, protecting his servant Isaac, even though Isaac had acted in an anxious, dishonorable, and selfish way. And... Uh, <laughs> And eventually, King Abimelech issues a protective order that no one should lay a hand on Isaac or on Rebekah. When God is resolved to bless a man, God's resolve proves greater than the man's folly. And we should thank the Lord for that. As we come to verses 12 to 14... Uh, the adversity gives way to prosperity. Isaac enjoys a bumper harvest. The Lord blesses Isaac. Isaac becomes rich. He gains great wealth, uh, flocks and herds and many servants. And I just want to say a br brief little uh, uh, word of wisdom here. Uh, beware uh, of people who like to reduce God's blessing down to a simple little formula. Some people in one camp uh, seem to say that if, if, you know, if God's blessing is upon you, then that will always translate into success and wealth. And there's other people in a different camp who seem to say that if God's blessing is upon you, then your life's going to be characterized by suffering and persecution. And we, we tend to put, put this blessing thing in our own little preferred box. But we have the whole Bible, and you take the whole Bible seriously, which is what we should do. What we have to realize is that sometimes God's blessing takes the form of abundant provision. And when it does, we should be grateful and gener generous stewards of that. And sometimes God's blessing takes the form of suffering and persecution. And Jesus says that when that happens, we should rejoice and be glad because we're being treated in the same way that the prophets were treated. And great is our reward in heaven. God mingles measures of success and measures of suffering in all of our lives. And we are to receive all of that with humble faith. Now, uh, let's move on to the second section in verses 15 to 22 when Isaac lives in the valley of Gerar. It's interesting because what happens when we shift from Gerar to the valley of Gerar is, that, is what so often happens in our lives, is that a, 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 a season of prosperity actually sets the stage for the next season of adversity. 
Okay? And so, so verse 1 uh, began with Isaac moving due to a famine, but by, by verse 13, he's a wealthy man. But his, his great wealth now uh, turns him into an object of envy, um, as we see in verse 14, the Philistines envied him, and that envy ultimately turned into an act of expulsion against him in verse 16 when Abimelech said, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Thus, Isaac faces another adverse circumstance. That's life. So a, a rhythm, a rhythm of adversities and solutions and new adversities and new solutions. These Philistines are not friendly toward him. They envy him. They had previously, in verse 15, they had previously stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug, dug in the days of Abraham his father. Now, we're not told why they did that, but since that information is given to us between being told about their envy and then the act of expulsion against him, it would seem, at the very least, that them stopping uh, the wells that Abraham's men had dug was not a friendly action. In any case, Isaac is kicked out of Gerar, and so he's on the move again, leaving Gerar and settling some distance away in the nearby valley of Gerar. And when you are on the move like this in the ancient world, and when you have to settle in less populated areas, finding water sources is of great importance. Isaac had plenty of food with all his flocks and herds, but he needed access to water. The search for water involved Isaac's conflict, Isaac's household in conflict with local herdsmen. But first, there's a general statement in verse 18 that Isaac was in the habit of redigging the old wells that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped. This is a very practical way, yet again, of seeing that Isaac was walking in the footsteps of his father Abraham. He's not only redigging the old wells, but he's giving them the same name that his father had given to them. The contrast is remarkable between the Philistines and Isaac. The Philistines, intentionally or unintentionally, sought to stop the legacy of Abraham's labors. But Isaac is rediscovering and honoring his father's labors. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> going to verse 19, <clears throat> Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water. The word spring in well of spring water literally means alive, living. <clears throat> Isaac's servants found a well of living Water, water that was moving, running, springing forth. However, the local herdsmen quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, this is ours. This is, not a, this is not a friendly gesture. You know, let others do the hard work of digging the well and then claim that it's yours. Um, Isaac named the well Esek, which means contention. Thereafter, Isaac's servants dug another well, and the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled over that also. And so Isaac named that well Sitna, which means hostility. So you got two wells, contention and hostility. Notice that Isaac did not put up a sustained fight to hold on to contention and hostility, 
but he kept looking for a water source that would not be met with opposition. So Isaac moved on and dug another well, and they, the herdsmen of Gerar, did not quarrel over it, and Isaac named that well Rehoboth, uh, which means broad places. So the, the name Rehoboth testified to the Lord's gracious provision, as Isaac says, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. There's a couple little lessons here. Don't miss them. First, there is no incompatibility between the Lord's gracious provision and our hard work. Isaac and his men had to work hard, endure opposition, move from place to place, and persevere through the digging of multiple wells before being able to settle into broad places. And yet, for all that, for all those labors, Isaac recognizes that the Lord is the decisive provider when he says, the Lord has made room for us. So don't, don't pit these two things against each other. Work hard and depend on the Lord's gracious provision. Unlike the Israelites who complained about the lack of water in the wilderness, Isaac kept a level head, he kept his nose to the ground, and eventually received the Lord's provision at just the right time. Second, we again see that the Lord is blessing Isaac after a season of adversity. If you're in a season of adversity, wait patiently for the provision to come. In the first section, the abundance came to Isaac after the famine and after the relocation. In the second section, the water and the spacious land came to Isaac after being expelled from Gerar and after having two wells quarreled over by the local herdsmen. You see what we usually want to do? We, we usually want to just, we want to skip over the adversity and jump right to the abundant provision. That is not the way it normally works for God's people in this present age. The Lord has appointed adversities and trials for us that we might learn to trust the Lord, deepen in our character, wait patiently upon the Lord, and prove Him faithful. So in the first section, Isaac settled in Gerar. In the second section, he settled in the valley of Gerar. And now as we move to the third section, we see that Isaac went up to Beersheba in verse 23. We're not told why he went to Beersheba, but he did, and it proved to be a place of very significant activity. Notice four things that happened in, in Beersheba. First, the Lord visited Isaac in verse 24, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Abraham features prominently in this passage. Abraham had lived in Beersheba. Abraham and Abimelech had made a covenant in Beersheba back in chapter 21. Abraham had planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there upon the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, chapter 21, verse 33. And now Yahweh, the everlasting God, the God of Abraham, the same God that Abraham called upon, speaks to Abraham's son Isaac in that same place <clears throat> and tells him to fear not. Don't be afraid of food shortages 
or water supply shortages. Don't be afraid of untrustworthy men, ill-tempered kings, or contentious herdsmen. Don't be afraid of a lack of permanence in this present world. Don't be afraid of King Abimelech and his two staff members who are about to pay you a visit. Fear not. And the command to fear not implies in another, implies another command, namely, trust me. Trust the Lord through all the ups and downs, twists and turns, apparent successes and unexpected setbacks. The Lord says, I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. The Lord accompanies and blesses Isaac in adverse circumstances in order to accomplish his purposes through Isaac. Second, the Lord's appearance and words to Isaac prompts Isaac to worship the Lord. And this is the way that it should always be. When the Lord speaks his promises to us, our response should be to render praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Don't hear today's sermon and run out the door and forget what you said. Instead, hear today's sermons, sermon and enjoy in the hearty response by singing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Hear the faithful word and promise of the Lord and then respond by calling upon His name and singing His praise and living in the reality of His good promises. After worshiping the Lord, Isaac pitches his tent in that place and his servants get on with the business of digging another well. Meanwhile, we come to a third significant thing that happened in Beersheba. Abimelech, the king who had sent Isaac away back in verse 16, pays Isaac a visit. Abimelech is accompanied by two of his staff, Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army. Isaac views their visit with cynicism and suspicion, which is not surprising. Uh, Isaac says, why have you come to me seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? In verse 27. Nevertheless, Abimelech gives Isaac a good answer. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you, so we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. It is fascinating that Abimelech testifies to the reality of the promise that the Lord had just made to Isaac. The Lord said to Isaac, I am with you. And Abimelech said to Isaac, it is obvious that the Lord is with you. And the Lord said to Isaac, I will bless you. And Abimelech said to Isaac, you are now the blessed of the Lord. And, and, and that invites us to consider the fact that when God's gracious hand is upon us, it, 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 it should bear visible fruit, should be obvious to pagans that the Lord is with us. We're called to be salt and light, and light is supposed to be visible, and salt is supposed to be impactful. And the way in which the Lord manifests His presence and His blessing through us might vary from person to person and circumstance to circumstance, but others should see evidence of God's gracious hand upon our lives. As we think about Abimelech's uh, interaction with Isaac, there's something really beautiful here. Uh, Isaac regards Abimelech as an enemy, 
right? He says, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you. And yet, the apparent enemy's disposition seems to be honorable to Isaac. Someone might object that uh, Abimelech is just speaking hypocritical political speech. But I doubt it. I doubt it for several reasons. Reason number one, the encounter is prefaced by the Lord telling Isaac to fear not. The Lord is preparing Isaac for this encounter. Reason number two, Abimelech speaks the truth about several matters. In, in fact, Abimelech had actually protected Isaac and Rebekah in, back in, in verse 11. And even though Abimelech had sent uh, Isaac away in verse 16, let's, let's be honest, Isaac's life and property was not attacked while he was in Gerar. Reason number three, Isaac is sufficiently settled in his own heart to show hospitality to Abimelech and Abimelech's men. Verse 30, Isaac made them a feast and they ate and drank. Reason number four, Isaac was sufficiently settled in his own heart to make a covenant with Abimelech. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. Verse 31, and reason number five, after the covenant was solidified, Abimelech and his companions departed in peace. Verse 31, Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. And all of this reminds us that we ourselves, like Isaac, are called to be peacemakers and conduits of blessing to other people. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans 12, verses 17 and 18. Frankly, I'm not so sure that Abimelech was ever an enemy of Isaac in the first place, but even if Isaac's evaluation had a measure of truth in it, we remember this proverb, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, verse 7. Finally, on the same day that Abimelech and his men departed, Isaac's men found another well of water, verse 32, and Isaac named that well Sheba. Why? Well, we, we, could give, we, we could say multiple things, but I think what we might have here is a concrete example of what we learned in verse 18, that Isaac gave the redug wells the same names that his father had given them. Abraham was responsible for naming the land around this well, Beersheba, back in chapter 21. The text clearly says so. Now, in chapter 26, verse 33, Isaac intentionally or unintentionally, revives the old name. He called it Sheba, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Like father, like son. Isaac is walking in the footsteps of his father. Brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with this encouragement. Scripture declares that the Lord accompanies and blesses his people in adverse circumstances in order to accomplish his purposes through us. Where do we fit in to chapter 26? Well, th think about this. God's purpose, which includes us, is set forth in verse 4. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So as a means to that end, God built a great nation out of Abraham and out of Isaac in order to steward God's promises and preserve the messianic line. Eventually, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the seed of Abraham and the seed of Isaac came forth in order, in order to secure God's blessing for the nations. It says in Romans 15, verses 8 and 9, For I tell you that Christ, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Through His atoning death and resurrection, Jesus saw to it that believing Gentiles are included alongside of believing Jews in God's forever family. And looking at Genesis 26, verse 4, we are participants in that promise in two ways. First, we are blessed in Isaac's seed. We are blessed in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, we get to share in the ongoing work of bringing the blessing of the Messiah to all nations through preaching and teaching, through local evangelism and outreach, through bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit and showing the Lord's presence at work in our lives, through conversations with neighbors and friends, and through missionaries and missionary partnerships. We get to participate in God's global plan to bring His good news to the whole world. And we need to know that the Lord accompanies and blesses us in order to accomplish His purpose of bringing the gospel of salvation to every nation on earth. But this purpose is often accomplished in and through adversity, all kinds of adversity. So the Lord accompanies and blesses us in adversity in order to accomplish His purposes. These adverse circumstances might include famine, relocation, becoming the object of envy, being kicked out of a place, lacking running water, having to deal with quarrels or property disputes. Sometimes the governmental powers, as illustrated by King Abimelech, sometimes the governmental powers seem to be for us. Sometimes they seem to be against us. And to these adverse circumstances, we might add financial pressures, job insecurity, ailing bodies, uncertainties about the future, and persecutions. It is challenging for weak and vulnerable people like us to navigate a sinful and fallen world. However, we must recognize that the Lord is with us. I will be with you and bless you. Fear not, I am with you and will bless you. Although those promises had specific applications to Isaac, they do capture the general way in which God always relates to His redeemed people. He knows how to make broad places for us in constricted places. He knows how to make us fruitful in a barren world. He knows how to guide us, protect us, and provide for us from one day to the next, from one place to the next, from one season to the next, from one adversity to the next. He knows how to bring us into a state of peaceful relations with our pagan neighbors. Therefore, let's not fail to remember and, cherishes, and cherish God's promises to us. Let's not fail to call upon His name and trust Him to come through for us. Let's not fail to walk in the footsteps of the faithful fathers and mothers who have come before us. For the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is with us. 
He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never fail us. Let's pray. Father, I pray that these words would not be quickly forgotten, but that we would remember that our Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you who were once faithful to Isaac for Abraham's sake will continue to be faithful to us for Jesus' sake. And I pray that as we go into the ordinariness and trials of everyday life that we would hold on to your promises and bear good fruit in the midst of the difficulties of life. Father, we pray that you would glorify your name through us. In Jesus' name, amen.